You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Kush Parikh and Corey Johnson. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast on Twitter at the underscore nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S bleeds. Instagram at the nosebleeds and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the nosebleeds. Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. It's your boy. You already know it's your boy, Kush, and I'm here with my co-host. As always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey in the house. How you doing, man? Yes, sir. We'll be back over here on the Nosebleeds Podcast. What's good? What's good? What's good? Ready to talk. Ready to talk about that NBA Finals, that crazy NBA Finals that we just witnessed. Yes, sir. NBA season has finally come to an end. There has been a champion that has been crowned, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks winning 4-2 to two against the Phoenix Suns. Their first championship in 50 years since the great old Oscar Robertson and Kareem won it back in 1971. So let's talk about the NBA Finals. First of all, ratings were 32% up compared to last season, which is a good thing to see as NBA fans. We love to see that. But yeah, honestly, this series, everyone was coming into this season thinking it's going to be the Lakers back in the finals, the Nets, especially after getting James Harden, it was going to be Lakers, Nets, and then the Clippers, maybe even the Sixers started taking off. Like, But here we are with the Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, and everyone's like, okay, now we're going to, it's not going to be a disappointment, but it's not going to be as hyped up as the other series we might have got. But boy, mm-hmm. let me tell you, this series exceeded all expectations and it gave us an entertaining series. Even if you look at the final score, I mean, four out of the six games were decided by 10 points or less, but I think the box score doesn't do justice. Watching the actual games, it was just back and forth, back and forth almost the entire series. And we had 40-point games galore. We had Giannis scoring 40 or more points three times. We had Devin Booker scoring 40 or more two times. And it was just a lot of back and forth uh, going from these two teams so initially what are your reactions before we get into the two teams and uh you know their futures but give me your initial reactions on the nba finals in general uh my initial reaction was i just felt that after watching that nets versus Bucks series i was kind of like i didn't really know how the nba finals were really going to shape out because i really thought that that was the best series of the entire playoffs that we had witnessed. I mean, going down to game seven, both of those teams were going at it. We saw like high profile plays out of both those teams going against each other. And at the end of the day, it really came down to like just a dude having his foot on the line. Like if he had would have had his foot behind the line, KD, then maybe things turn out a little different. But um, I really didn't know how the NBA finals could really top that. And like you said, Coach, I mean, we had, like, so many different 40-point games. We also had so many different amazing performances, so many different clutch shots, tough shots. Um, And this series, like you said, really wasn't one-sided in any way. Like, each game probably maybe bearing game one towards the final uh, moments, but every single game felt close. Every single game, it wasn't like how we typically see in NBA Finals like a few years before, like where one team blows out the other in each game, which 
you know, I think kind of like in a way, like the ratings were always going to be kind of like a little iffy just because you don't have a, a, a high profile, well, not high profile, well, you don't have a high profile guy, but you don't have somebody like a LeBron or a Steph or a KD, but you did have a Giannis Antetokounmpo. You did have a Devin Booker, a CP3 in there. And there were a lot of different narratives coming into both of these, uh, coming into this finals for both of these teams. Like you said, Bucks trying to win one for the first time in 50 years, Suns trying to win their first ever NBA finals. And after the first two games, I mean, Phoenix had every right to feel like they were about to go ahead and crown themselves a champion. I mean, everybody was over here saying that CP3 is finally about to get one. But for me, I just felt that it came down to the defensive side of the ball. And I think Drew Holiday, while he received hella criticism, even from me, for the fact that there were so many games where it was like, this dude could not hit anything. This dude just couldn't hit anything to save his life on the offensive end. But he kind of salvaged himself in a way in this finals with his performance as far as his defense. And I think he frustrated the hell out of Chris Paul. And had it not been for Drew Holiday, I don't know if the Bucks win this series because Chris Paul literally was the main piece for Phoenix. And once he got completely shut down and taken out of the series, I mean, you look at a young Aiden and a, and a young Booker, that's a lot. And a really overall a young team outside of maybe, you know, some of the uh, veterans on their squad, like, you know, a Jay Crowder, um, Dario Sarge and stuff like that. Outside of those guys, I mean, you had a really young team of inexperienced guys in a big moment like the NBA Finals, first ever time being there. And I think – I don't want to say it got the moment just got too big for them, but I think ultimately – I think they either thought that they had this one kind of sealed in the back when they went up 2-0, and when the series got tied, and especially that pivotal game five, I think that that really took the took the wind out of them because in game six, man, like they just had such a tough time trying to be able to hit shots and trying to just, you know, find any sort of momentum. And with that crowd behind uh, Milwaukee, every single shot they make, every single thing that they do, you know, it's just, you know, it feels like the run just never stops. So I think Milwaukee, after getting three straight wins in a row, had the momentum and I mean, it was funny because I was uh, I was having like uh, some conversation with some friends and uh, even my boss at work. And he was like, after the Suns went up 2-0, he's like, there's no way Milwaukee's going to win four straight games. Lo and behold, <laughs> I was like, yo, are you sure about that, buddy? So, yeah, I mean, the fact that that happened, just amazing. And, and the fact that I think the Milwaukee Bucks were able to win it at home. You got to see the celebrations. You got to see deer, uh, the deer district with their celebration. Insane. 65,000 yeah, people. people. Exactly. So insane. that was just insane. And just be able to see that moment and witness that moment. And, you know, I think the most iconic thing for me was the, the Giannis block on Aiden. I think that play right there. Oh yeah. Was right up there with all time plays because, Aiden makes that dunk. It's a tie game. And who knows how the series goes from there. But Giannis just be able to recover like that. And personally, for me, I mean, I feel like that block, in context-wise, obviously, I feel like the LeBron block is, is like, iconic. But just the, the way that Giannis was able to block and recover, because he thought he even said in the first conference, he thought he was going to get dunked on. So the fact that he was able to recover, turn, doesn't even know. He just jumped up and put his hand up. And was able to get his hands on that. I'm like, yo, that's 
that's insane for me. I'm like, yo, that's that's crazier than LeBron the the LeBron block against. I think Iguodala. the degree of difficulty was a lot harder. Exactly, because he doesn't know he doesn't know where yeah. the ball is. There's just there's no one in their right crazy, mind yeah. that should have been able to get there on exactly. time. Exactly, exactly. It's Giannis. His wingspan. His, his name lane. is the Greek freak for a exactly, reason. Exactly, bro. That's just insane. Because the fact that he even said like he thought he was going to get dunked on, and he still was able to go up and get it. Just kudos to him and very much deserving a finals MVP. I don't know what some people was tripping on. They was over here saying that he didn't deserve it. I'm like, bro, who are you going to give it to? I'm like, bro, well, give it to we'll get We'll get to that in a second. But in terms of final series rankings in uh, from the last 11 years, so from 2010 to now, where does this final series rank for you? I think it's like a mid-level series, but at the same – I think it's, it would probably be like maybe like the five, six, seven range. Like just because it could probably be in the top five – just because of how close it was. I think that that's what people are going to, when you look back on this series and you look about how the, just getting to this moment and all the injuries that ha- happened throughout the season, COVID throughout the season as well. And being able to get to this moment for both these teams was insane. But also you look at the fact that um, Milwaukee had a tough road and I feel like, the the Suns they had a tough road too like they they had to take out the Denver Nuggets and the MVP and Jokic they also had to take out LeBron and AD and the Lakers and so I mean they had a really tough road it really wasn't no easy road for either of these teams you can argue that you know injuries did play a part in them getting there but I think that on the same token that both these teams deserve to be here and I think the fact that it was so close that it could have literally gone either way, even though it finished in game six, it really was a, a flip of the coin. And it just happened to go in the, uh, the way of Milwaukee. For me, yeah, it's got to be top five. It's got to be at that number five spot. Because first, I got the 2016 Cavs coming back down. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Number two, I got the 2010 Lakers being the Celtics in seven games with that Ron Artest three. And mm-hmm. then uh, third, I got the 2013 Heat beating the Spurs, the Ray Allen shot in the corner to save yeah, the Heat season. Insane, insane. And then fourth, I got 2011 Mavs beating the Heat, the first year of the Heat super team. And nobody, absolutely nobody expected the Mavericks to be in the position they were and to win that championship was insane. And then I got the Bucks being the Suns. But you mentioned it, Giannis winning finals MVP, which is insane to me. Just thinking that last series, I swear I thought he tore his ACL. Even he himself thought he tore his ACL. And then to end up winning finals MVP and the first championship in his career. So what a crazy, crazy turnaround for Giannis. Like I mentioned, he had 340-plus point games, in, uh, including a series-clinching 50-piece nuggets, which he went to Chick-fil-A the next day. I don't know if you guys saw that, which was funny. But the crazy thing is, is all these 340-point games, he did them shooting over 60% in all of them, which is absolutely absurd. And if you just look at his finals averages, 35 points a game, 13 rebounds a game, five assists per game on 61% shooting, which in the entire playoff history, he's the only player in playoff history to average 30 points, 12 rebounds, and five assists on 50% shooting in the entire playoffs, entire NBA history. The only person ever so I, we're literally witnessing greatness and especially that game six masterpiece by him where 
he's talking about or we're talking about how he's struggling at the free throw line so much it's going to be a detriment to him and here he is he ends up turning things around putting the team on his back and going 17 for 19 from the free throw line and ends up giving the Suns a 50 piece uh to you know hoist the larry o'brien trophy so just insane well-deserved finals mvp i don't think it was a discussion whether he deserved it or not i think a lot of these analysts are just talking about it just to get clicks and views and stuff (laughs) like that because you know that's what they do but i know we have a finals mvp but i want to ask you does there need to be a playoff mvp like how the mlb has the playoff uh mvp after the championship series like do players need to get recognized for their stuff that they've done in the playoffs because you know you could easily give a playoff mvp to a guy like trey young devin booker paul george chris paul and Giannis, obviously rightfully so so do you think that there needs to be a playoff mvp i think so just because of the fact that like you said sometimes i think it would it would more so bring like it's almost like with the MVP award, like there's a lot of debate over the regular season award of the MVP because like everybody debates over what does the meaning of most valuable mean. And for a lot of people, it, it defers on like, is it most valuable to the team, most valuable to the league, you know, this, this, that, and the third. So I think that finals MVP is, is something that, you know, should be strictly, you know, obviously, you know, for the NBA finals, but there should be some type of award to contextualize who was the best player overall in the totalitary of these entire NBA playoffs, because that should get recognized too. Even if a guy didn't make it to the NBA finals, he could still be considered the best player overall in the playoffs. It's not to say that like, you just got to give it to a guy who was in the finals. A perfect example is 2015 uh, Warriors Cavs when the Warriors won the NBA championship. Andre Iguodala won NBA finals MVP. But I mean, Steph Curry, what he did leading up to the NBA finals. I mean, it kind of, just got brushed under the rug just because he didn't win finals MVP. So if you implement a playoff MVP, something like that, and have a guy like him win it, you know, it definitely could change, you know, the landscape of that entire uh, Warriors champ or uh, NBA championship and gives a little more credit to a guy like Steph Curry. Yeah. And I think that like, it's kind of also is a, is a, difference you know what i mean because it, it it also shows the fact that like you played a, a serious part a serious role it doesn't mean that like you just got carried because i think that's what some people feel like it's like oh because you didn't win finals mvp you got carried to the finals it's like no i mean steph didn't have the greatest finals that year but i wouldn't say he got necessarily carried <laughs> he still had to you know play his role and still had to show up because if he doesn't you know if he played god awful then they they don't win that series even though the Cavs had serious injuries to both Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving that year yeah absolutely so let's talk a little bit about the Bucks and what this championship means for guys like Giannis Chris Middleton Drew Holiday and coach Bud and their legacy let's talk about Giannis first First of all, he's only 26 years old, which is still kind of insane to think about because I don't know if you saw that interview before game five, I believe it was when he was talking about how the past is ego, the future is or the present is humility and the future is after I forgot what he said. He said something crazy. I should know what he said because <laughs> it was that amazing of a quote, but he's only 26 years old and it just seems like he's so mature as a player that he's been doing this for you know, like he's Chris Paul's age playing in the NBA like that. But at the age of 26, his resume might be one of the best resume a 26-year-old has ever had. And that is an NBA champion now, a finals MVP under his belt, 
two-time MVP, uh, Defensive Player of the Year, five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA, four-time All-Defensive, and one-time All-Star MVP and one-time Most Improved Players. And he's only one of three players in NBA history to win Finals MVP, MVP, and Defensive Player of the Year, joining the great Michael Jordan and Hakeem Olajuwon, who are two Hall of Famers. So, Corey, big question I got for you. If Giannis retired right now, is he in the Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, that resume definitely solidifies him as an all-time great and definitely deservingly so should be a, a Hall of Famer. I think also if he continues on this path, I think if he gets two more championships, goes undefeated in the finals, uh, you could make a case that he could be considered the greatest player of all time in the Ooh. NBA. You could make a case because okay. if you look at if you look at the fact that the way that he's gone with playing on one team, I think that also plays a key factor as well. Playing on one team, if it's kind of funny to, to see that him yeah. jabbing at at the other team or exactly. other players. Exactly. So I think it's like if he stays with one team with the Milwaukee Bucks, his entire career, or at least majority of his career. And then he's able to win, like I said, three championships with them and go undefeated in said finals. I think you have to make a case that this dude has a resume on his hands that is better than LeBron, is better than Michael Jordan, is better than a lot of different people. Because like you said, to have a defensive player of the year award, a two MVPs already, like, that that's that like LeBron hasn't even had a defensive player of the year award, and then also on top of that, having the finals MVP and an NBA finals already is something that neither LeBron, Jordan, any any all time great has never had that at the age of 26. So he's already ahead of the curve, and if he stays on track like this, like I said, he could potentially be the greatest player in NBA history. Barring, you know, obviously, of course, we don't want any injuries and we don't want anything like that because this dude really has the potential to really be like considered legendary. Would you put him top five power forward of all time right now? Right now? Um, you got the likes of Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, right? Right, you know, Dirk Nowitzki, right? Charles Barkley, Moses Malone. I think he's definitely top 10. Top five, I think I, I think maybe uh, I would have to see how he's able to do like in the later stages of his career because it's easy to do, you know, like, like James Harden was saying, it's easy to do a lot of the things that he's doing because he is athletic. He is, you know, dominant right now and he's in the prime of his career right now. But I kind of want to see what he's looking like as, I don't want to say things start to fall off for him, but like as the athleticism isn't there, is his game going to be able to be the same? Because I think when you talk about, you know, guys who have, you know, are considered like the best of the best of the best, you know, you were able to see like the best of them at their best. And then you were able to see glimpses and flashes of them, even when they weren't fully at their best, but they were still like, you still see like, damn, they still had it. So for me, I think that Giannis is on his way, but I want to see what he looks like when he's like 31, 30, 32, and I want to be able to see, like, if he's still able to have that same level of, of, of dominance about him in the league, which, you know, you're looking at four, five, six years from now, it'll be interesting to see what the NBA even looks like <laughs> from there. Yeah. So um, I think that, like I said, the fact that he was able to have such a run that he's had 
this season, his entire career, and just the fact that he was a no-name guy that came into the league. Nobody even knew who he was. Everybody was trying to figure out, how do you even say this kid's name? He's got the most letters on the back of his jersey than any player in the league. You know, probably right now, Shea Gillis-Alexander probably has not beat. But <laughs> at the time, he had – I was like – I remember my dad was like, yo, who is that? I'm like, this dude has more letters on his name. He can't even fit on the jersey. So, yeah, the fact that he – really has grown from a nobody a no-name player essentially a role player to being damn near one of the best players in the league if, if you not if not top three top two player in the league if you want to say um is insane it's incredible and so i think if he continues to be on this margin of success um then yeah I, you, you, you like i said not even top uh five uh power four you could consider him to be greatest player of all time is what i'm looking at we'll see on the time will tell for that exactly let's talk about chris middleton second round pick 39th overall g league alumni and now an nba champion crazy story chris middleton he averaged 24.6 rebounds and five assists in the NBA finals and he was basically the closer for the Bucks throughout the entire finals coach bud went to him and he proved that he he made it well worth and he knew that you know if he misses a shot he's gonna get scrutinized which he did but you know he also made up for it and look at his resume two-time all-star this did this finals run make him a top 20 player in the league oh yeah absolutely I think what this finals run really did for him is put some serious respect on his name because when we look at Chris Milton and how he's developed in the league and how he's gone from essentially on the same status of Giannis being considered like a, a role player, no name player to now being, like you said, a top 20 player, uh, a, a top, you know, shooting guard in the league and, you know, being able to, to close out games and stuff like that, that is something that is incredible. And to be like considered the one-two punch alongside Giannis is just also something that you have to consider as well. Um, I, I think really, like I said, this finals run was important for Giannis as well. You know, obviously getting the ring and getting the championship under your belt. But I think this really showed that this really helped Chris Middleton because everybody, when it comes to the Bucks, they know like obviously that's Giannis's team. And they're always going to give him praise and always going to give him respect. But they just dogged the crap out of Chris Middleton. Like, they just, like, nonstop. If Chris Middleton plays bad, you will know about it. If he plays good, you oh, might yeah. know about it, depending on who is reporting about it or what highlights you see. But this entire – I wouldn't even say final run, but the entire playoffs, this dude was always there to be able to bail out Milwaukee when they needed to desperately get a win even when you look at the fact that Giannis went down with an injury, who had to be there? Chris Middleton had to step up his game and had to be there. Otherwise they're packing their bags and they're getting up out of here. So that's what I'm saying. Like Chris Middleton to me, like, while yes, I, I, I love the story. And I love the fact that he was able to get his championship and was able to have so much success this, uh, this season. I got to give a whole lot of more, a whole lot of respect to Chris Middleton, because like I said, Dude was really like an afterthought for me this season. I thought he was like a good player. I knew he was a good player, all-star caliber player. But this dude is is moving away from being just considered an all-star to legitimately being a legit star in this league now, I think, that you have to kind of regard as like somebody who's like, okay, this isn't just Giannis and the Bucks. This is Giannis, Chris Middleton and the Bucks. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's uh, that was big time from him, and I'm glad that he was able to finally get the recognition and the credit 
and the love and praise that he so desperately deserves. I also completely forgot, but he also had a 40 point game as well in game four. So, yep, definitely, definitely put himself on the map uh, as a NBA star. And then let's talk about Drew Holiday. First year on the Bucks and helps them win an NBA championship. If you remember, he was traded for Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, two first round picks and two first round swaps. A lot of people were scrutinizing the Bucks, basically saying they gave up way too much for a guy like Drew Holiday. <laughs> but I think it's definitely at the time I viewed it as it was a trade. Made, I mean, obviously, it does help their championship chances out. But at the time, I thought it was a trade made basically to get Giannis under sign that contract extension and keep him in Milwaukee. So kind of like the Paul George uh, Kawhi trade that you're trading for Giannis in a sense, and the Clippers are trading for Kawhi in a sense as well too. But he averaged 16 points, six rebounds and nine assists in the NBA finals and always assumed the role of guarding the other team's best offensive player. He's a one-time all-star, three-time all-defensive team. So Corey, where I mean, it seems like all those trades or all those picks they traded were definitely worth the championship. But uh, yeah, yeah. But where does Drew Holiday now rank amongst the best defenders in the NBA? Because you saw what he did in this playoff run. Uh, I think I definitely think that Drew Holiday was prior to this already a really elite defender and already a great defender. Um, I remember uh, during uh, last season, I remember seeing him like guarding you know, ones, twos, even threes and fours at some point. I'm like, this dude loves to just, you know, hound on the defensive side of the ball. And I think, like I said earlier, uh, this dude really was the pivotal change in the series as far as his defense and his intensity on Chris Paul. And the fact that he was able to frustrate, hound, and just cause Chris Paul to have off nights, and especially not just from shooting, but from the turnover aspect. I mean, Chris Paul had multiple turnovers in the NBA finals and really kind of struggled to find his rhythm. And that was mainly because of Drew Holiday just sticking a hand in and just really, and and who could forget that iconic steal that Drew Holiday had on Devin Booker that led to that law for Giannis. Uh, that was just tremendous defense. And so he wasn't the best as far as on the offensive end, which is insane to me because the fact that he had six average 16 points is just like, staggering but if you look at the shooting percentages the dude would be oh, shooting yeah, like was, 20 times a game i'm like yeah, bro he was missing bro. open layups too, i know i was like bro but at, at this but he yeah. more than made up for it on the defensive end oh yeah sure. to I, average and, to average over two steals a game in the nba finals is insane to do and especially against a guy like chris paul and devin booker and how great those two players are is insane yeah and to me he kind of like assumed like a little bit of the uh, the Draymond Green, a mixture of Draymond Green slash Clay Thompson sort of role in a way, kind of a blend of both of those guys because we know Clay in years past and in even in finals past, he would have games where or throughout the playoffs he would kind of be kind of streaky or he wouldn't be having his rhythm going, but he would hound on the defensive side of the ball. Same thing with obviously Draymond. You don't really expect Draymond to go off at any point in time offensively, but he is going to be stingent and just staunch on the defensive side of the ball and make sure everybody knows their assignment um and i think that that one game where he popped off and had 27 that was the game where it was like damn finally like because you had the entire big three were able to all together get 20 plus points and once that happened i mean like it's like dang 
we got to worry about Drew Holiday now too. It's like it's not just Giannis and Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis. We also got to worry about this dude, Drew Holiday. Yeah. Let's talk about Coach Mike Boonholzer, another Popovich disciple who is successful in getting an NBA championship. And after his stint with the Hawks, came to the Bucks in 2018, had very successful regular seasons with them, but not a lot of postseason success. And he was under a lot of scrutiny, including for myself. And he finally broke through and won an NBA championship as a coach, which fun fact, I actually was doing my research. I didn't know he went to Pomona College. So he went to <laughs> college uh, local to the L.A. area. But, yeah, we, we talked about how Coach Bud was overrated with his adjustments. And I'll own up to it that I did, too. But is that narrative kind of thrown away now? Um. I, I think obviously winning, you know, kind of kills a lot of different narratives. Uh, but I think from his perspective, the thing that he is going to be excited about was the fact that one, they made it to the finals and two, that they won the finals because he, I think if they, if this felt like finals or bus year for me, and if he wouldn't have gotten to the finals this year, I think he would have gotten fired. I really yeah. do because there was a lot of, you know, you can see it throughout the entire league. There were certain teams that kind of had like that feeling of this is our chance. This is our opportunity with all the injuries happening with, you know, teams maybe not playing at their best levels or whatever, you know, especially, you know, from, you can look from the Phoenix perspective, you can look from the Clippers perspective, you can look from uh, uh, over in the East, you can look from the 76ers and, and also the Milwaukee Bucks, certain teams that kind of had that opportunity under the belt to be like, yo, we can maybe break through here and have an opportunity to go to the finals. And so I think had he not won that series against Brooklyn, that kind of would have been a little, his future would have kind of been up in the air. Obviously, yeah, absolutely. It kind of would have been looking like, man, here we go again. Another second round exit. <laughs> like, bro, like what's going on? It, albeit yes to the Nets and KD, but bro, it's like, yo, here we go again. And, I think the that would have kind of put a whole lot of more pressure going into the offseason versus obviously now you went in the finals. Uh, definitely is going to be intriguing to see what this team is going to look like going forward. And can he be able to still get the best out of them as the coach? Because we know a lot of times coaching in the NBA and coaching in professional sports period isn't really much, isn't really a whole lot of X's and O's. It's more about being able to manage the, the egos and manage these guys and keep their minds focused and keep their eyes on the prize and keeping them uh, and keeping everybody, you know, focused on their role and maximizing their role and being successful at the role. And I think that um, just from a standpoint, I think that coach uh, Bootenholzer really was able to help out with that. I think he was a great individual at making sure that even when they got down twice, two old series deficits looking like they're down and out, he still wasn't panicking. He still wasn't thinking like, oh, like, damn, <laughs> that's it. Like, he was still thinking that they still had a chance to just, you know, all right, let's just get the next one. Let's just get the next one. Let's just get the next one and just go from there. And I think that was a, a good mentality to have. And obviously, uh, when you have a coach at the helm that has had the level of success that he has had, this definitely puts the cherry on top of it. And it's kind of like, you know, like, look, like this dude is a good coach. Yeah, I'm just hoping this isn't the one that he wins and then kind of just rides with it because we know uh, the coach is <clears throat> Talk Rivers. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to put him in the overrated category no, of no. Doc Rivers yet, but I do have a feeling that this is that one NBA championship that he's going to win and it's going to you know, make him relevant throughout his oh, career because yeah. I, I just, I don't know. 
I just feel like this NBA championship wasn't enough for me to convince him, convince me otherwise about him not being over, like, I'm not going to call him overrated, but you know. Yeah, have some issues as far as his adjustments. Because yeah. there were sometimes where, like, throughout the series where he kind of had to juggle the fact that when do you give Giannis a rest or when do you be able to, you know, sit him? When do you be able to uh, adjust on the fly and make sure that you have the right players on the on the team? Because um, trying to figure out, like, the, the whole Bobby Portis or, or Brooke Lopez situation throughout the season was kind of weird. And being able to ride the hot hand, I think, was was something that he had to really, really go out and do. Otherwise, uh, I don't think that they get to this point. But I think this was, a uh, like I said, something that is obviously good, obviously puts the stamp on him being a successful coach. But it's the next championship that makes you certified and makes you official and makes you uh, – be able to if it don't work out here in milwaukee guarantee you're gonna get another nba coaching job somewhere else. absolutely absolutely all right let's look forward to the bucks next season can they make a championship run again next season because they have all their core starters all under contract next season basically be a team running it back but they do have some role players that are impending free agents and that's pj tucker Bobby Portis, who has a $3.7 million player option. Bryn Forbes has a $2.3 million player option. And Jeff Teague, all those guys could be hitting free agency. I don't know about Bryn Forbes, but I know Bobby Portis definitely could decline that 3.7 because he's going to get a good amount of money after his efforts in the NBA Finals and this entire playoffs. So do you think this team needs any roster adjustments? I think the biggest thing going into this offseason is trying to figure out how do you not necessarily replace, but how do you get the same sort of energy and same sort of uh, impact from guys similar to PJ Tucker and Bobby Portis? Because I don't know what PJ Tucker is looking to get. Maybe you can be able to bring him back, but like, I don't know. I think it's going to be tough to bring Bobby Portis back. Cause I think he's going to be looking to get a bag. <laughs> I think he's going to be looking to get a bag trying to get paid after winning the finals. So, and he's also like, like that dude is beloved. Like he was a fan favorite. Like oh, yeah. out of everybody, you know, outside probably Giannis and Chris Middleton, out of everybody when they were interviewing uh in the post game after game six, they were chanting Bobby Portis's mm-hmm. name, bro. They were like Bobby, Bobby, like bro, like that's insane to me. Like, and like this dude Bobby Portis, like even prior to being on the Bucks, was like um a full-on fledged meme on reddit like this dude if you go on, yeah full-on nba meme if you go on nba reddit this dude is just full-on everywhere and so many people like always post bobby portis memes so uh best believe this dude is gonna be riding high in the sunshine and gonna be sipping on some champagne with pat Connaughton. <laughs> yeah that was good stuff um but, for me uh, i think I I think this team, I think they need a solid six-man scorer. I don't think they have that. A guy who kind of can create his shot and shots for others as well, too. But you also do have to remember that they're getting Dante DiVincenzo back, who is a solid 3-and-D guard off the bench. But if they happen to lose Bobby Portis, which I think is a high possibility, they will need someone to fill up that backup big man role who can kind of stretch the floor as well, too. But other than that, I really like the makeup of this team. I think they can find someone to replace Jeff Teague. Bryn Forbes depends on how much he asked for. I think you can find another shooter. I think maybe even go after a guy like J.J. Redick, see how much he asked for, who can fill up 
Bryn Forbes spot. And then, um, yeah, I think PJ Tucker is going to be, they're probably going to use a mid-level exception on him. I would definitely use it on PJ Tucker. Depends on how much he asks for over Bobby Portis. And then you kind of got to go from there. But to be honest, I think it's that, that true score off the bench that they need. Cause if you look at it, they don't have a guy who can really create his shot and shots for other off the bench. You look at, successful teams in the past like with with great six men like jamal crawford lou williams uh spencer dinwiddie you know those those type of guys that you need coming off the the bench maybe they get a spencer dinwiddie uh uh, he he already said that he's gonna be asking for a lot of money this offseason yeah that's true that's true i don't know no i mean people say one thing but you know trying to win is another situation too so that is true but other than that, honestly, I like the makeup of this team. I think this is a team that can definitely contend again as long yeah. as uh, they have Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton yeah. and Drew Holiday as well, too. So we'll I see. I think the tough thing will be for them is with a full offseason and with everybody getting healthy and getting back, um, depending, obviously, how the Olympics goes and everything like that goes um, for certain guys, um, I think that will also play a role as well um, because – man, dude's going to be playing a lot of basketball, you know, over the summer mm-hmm. and also, you know, before training camp and before the season gets ready to start. But uh, I think that they're going to have a tough test because you're looking at the, even just like the East, the Sixers are going to make a move at some point. We don't know what exactly it's going to be, but they're going to make a move at some point. We know the Nets are still going to be the Nets and they're going to get back to the, uh, you know, full strength and full health. And I think, the Bucks are obviously going to be, you know, the top one of those top three teams. But depending on how they like start out, it'll be intriguing to see how they look at the start and how they look heading into the uh, the mid season on whether or not they need to maybe make a move or something like that or how they're looking um, because just to get out of the East is tough enough. And then also depending on what happens out West, like that's also going to be tough too. So I think they have a good chance to get out of the East because they are still one of the, the top three best teams in the, the Eastern conference as of now, as of this moment. Um, but we'll see what happens with the draft. We'll see what happens with, you know, free agency and, you know, all the different moves that take place in the NBA offseason. NBA offseason is going to be crazy. Um, and I can't wait to see what, what, what pops off with it. Um, but I just think that at this point in time, they are the favorites as far as coming out of the East to represent, well, I mean, them, them in Brooklyn, are probably like the, the two favorites to come out of the East, um, going into next season. And when you, when you got a 50, 50 coin flip between them and Brooklyn, I think you obviously, you know, just to get there is, is going to be tough, but if they are able to get there again, then you got to love their chances, regardless of who it is that they end up playing against, because they're going to be a, nat- a matchup nightmare. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the other team in the NBA Finals, and that is the Phoenix Suns. After beating the Bucks convincingly, the first two games went up 2-0, and then they just seemed like they struggled, especially in the fourth quarter every game after that. So, like they said, Suns in four straight losses. So, <laughs> it's it's tough because I want to give a lot of credit to the Suns team because – not only they, they just made the playoffs first time in 10 years, but not only doing that, they got to the NBA finals. So, I mean, credit to the Suns, credit to Monty Williams and the players over there. But I just wish their fan base was a little more humbled. You know, first time. 10 they years got humbled. The play- <laughs> yeah, they, they got, got humbled. humbled. They got humbled real quick, but it is what it is. Let's talk about some of the players. And I mean, all eyes are going to be on CP3 and this NBA finals. 
It was seeing if he could finally break through and win that NBA championship that I believe he's deserved to have an NBA championship his entire career. But he is 36 years old. He's going to turn 37 next season. But aside from winning NBA championship, he still has an illustrious career. No doubt more than worthy of being a Hall of Famer. Do you think CP3 can ever get back to the NBA Finals again and possibly win one? Or do you think he's just straight up cursed? Nah, I mean, I think I think he definitely has an opportunity to to get back, uh, depending on how long he wants to still play. That's the big, you know, question on how long he still and what does he still have left in the tank, and what role is he going to be able to have? Because you know, is he still going to be like a, a high profile uh, player and still being able to have an impact, or is he is he going to have diminished into like a you know, Carmelo coming off the bench sort of thing or Tracy McGrady coming off the bench sort of thing or, you know, something like that. Or, you know, is he still going to be able to maybe not be like a starting, but, you know, have like a, a, a high profile role on a team that's doesn't, contending for a doesn't championship. Doesn't Tracy McGrady have an NBA championship with the, with the Spurs? Yeah, one I think, where, yeah, he, where yeah. he never but, played. Yeah. He but, never played, but he was. On but I the think bench. he was on the team, right? So I think yeah, he did yeah. get that ring. Yeah, yeah. So he was on that team. So you know, that's I, what I mean. I like, have... that's what I'm saying. Like, Chris Paul could could is he gonna have something like that happen for him, or is he gonna actually, you know, obviously be, you know, playing and have an impact in the in in the in the team? But overall, I think that it depends on how long he still wants to play. That's the thing. There's already rumors circulating about where he's going to be ending up, you know, outside of uh, running it back with Phoenix because, you know, obviously the Lakers need a point guard. So, you know, yeah, the rumors are going to be circulating. And, you know, his boy LeBron is over there too. So um, that that would be a crazy uh, force to be reckoned with if you ask me, Chris Paul, LeBron, AD, all healthy coming back and running it with the Lakers. That would be crazy. A, a big three, to say the least. But um, I think that Chris Paul, if he wants to get back to the finals, I think he really has to, you know, kind of look at himself in the mirror as far as does he, because uh, he has to take some responsibility, obviously, because his his poor play, I think, played right into the hands of Milwaukee. Because if he would have played better, if he would have had better performances, less turnovers, a few more points here and there, who's to say that he's not lifting his first ever NBA championship right now at 36. So um, I think that it was just a few bad plays here that kind of unfortunately went against them. And uh, maybe he uses this as motivation going into next season and getting ready for next season and looking at how he felt, you know, obviously walking down that tunnel and seeing the confetti falling down in Milwaukee and, the disappointment of, you know, getting all this way, battling this hard to get the, to, to this point for the first time and not being able to make it, you know, you know, sometimes you don't always get it the first try. So, I mean, who's to say that he, he doesn't get it next, uh, the next opportunity that he's there. So um, I would love to see Chris Paul get back to the NBA finals, you know, regardless of what team he's on, I would just love to see him back in the NBA finals because I think that storyline is just, it's just it's just amazing to me the fact that this dude has been in the league so long and this was just his first ever chance at getting to the mm -hmm. final. So um, it's going to be fun to see what he does. And then I think who's to even say that he doesn't get to the finals again, maybe post playing career, because he could, I think you want to talk about coaching candidates. This dude could definitely be an NBA coach somewhere. 
if he if he wanted to be. So you know, it's different though as a player. Oh yeah, obviously, 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 one hundred percent. But I think that that would also be something really cool to see too if he was absolutely there as a coach. Let's talk about the other guy on the Suns, and that is Devin Booker and the offensive masterpiece he put on in the NBA Finals at 24 years old, 14th overall pick, averaged 28 points in the NBA Finals. Yeah, he didn't shoot well in game six, but throughout the series, he was making shots that they were just tough, tough shots. And I know everyone's been saying it, and I don't want to put him on this pedestal yet, but some of the offensive moves he was making, the shots he was making, gave me <laughs> yep. a lot of Kobe vibes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yep. insane. I don't want to put put him up there yet, but it was just I literally looked like I was watching Kobe all over yeah. again with the some spin of the shots moves, he was, the fakes, yeah, yep. all that stuff. Fading right out over of Kobe's two bag. dudes, yep. three dudes sometimes, yep. and just driving Turn to the around right, jumpers. So. Yep, yeah, it's all insane. that stuff. And yep. he, he had two back to back. 40 point games in which they both lost, which is insane. So you really can't pin this series loss on him because he did everything he could on the offensive end. His team teammates didn't do a lot of a lot to help take the pressure off of him, which allowed guys like Drew Holiday, PJ Tucker to hone in on Devin Booker. Um, but what are your thoughts on Devin Booker's first finals appearance and the performance he he put on? You definitely left it all on the floor, uh, most definitely. And I think that that's what you pretty much all you want. And the thing that just sucks is that, you know, I was watching uh, as the Bucks started celebrating and then they just panned to Devin Booker and he was just like, damn, like it's yeah. over. Like, you know, like we lost, like that's it. We, <laughs> we don't get to play He's no only more. only 24 though, which so, is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with, I have to also give a credit to him too, because as much as people credit Giannis for sticking it out, staying with Milwaukee, not requesting a trade, not being frustrated with the front office and not trying to, you know, force himself out and to get to a super team. I got to give credit to Devin Booker because there were so many opportunities where he could have been like, F this, I don't want to be in Phoenix no more. This team is just nothing but a bunch of losers. My talent is being wasted on this team. I want to get on a winning situation. I want to be, you know, competing for a championship and not just, you know, (laughs) fighting for a lottery. (laughs) So, I got to give him credit for that, be able to stick it out through them tough times. And, you know, the tough times don't last long. And hopefully for Phoenix, this is something that they can build off of. Because I think when you have a guy like Devin Booker and somebody who can create his own shot and create instant offense, and at some points it's just unguardable when he's just hot like that. When he was hot, he just seemed like he was just unguardable. Didn't matter who they put on him. They had Middleton on him. They had – Drew Holiday on him. It just didn't matter at some points because he was just like, yo, I'm in my bag and I'm just cooking, I'm just straight cooking. So I was impressed with Devin Booker and how he played. I just think that the thing that he probably needs to look at was he was having great games, but I think it was like you said with the whole Kobe thing. It's like it was more so Kobe eight days where it was just Kobe by himself and he was just chucking and trying to get his, yeah. trying to get his, you know, trying to get his stuff off. So, um, hey, at, at some point in time, he's going to have to figure out how do I balance out, you know, being the guy, the go-to scorer and, you know, taking over for my team and also trying to maybe help get my teammates involved because that's something that you definitely saw that Phoenix were kind of doing a little bit too much feeding Devin Booker, relying all, you know, all, putting all their chips in the, the Devin Booker uh, bag and hoping that he just sh- shoots their shoots his way into them hoisting up the Larry O'Brien trophy. And then, you know, that just didn't work out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, it seems like the table's kind of set for the Suns franchise with their duo, depending on what happens with Chris Paul. But they got their duo of Booker and Aiton, and then you have guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, solid role players alongside of them. But do you think this duo of Booker and Aiton is a duo you can build around to win a championship? I think that time will tell. I think, like I said, the main reason that they got here was, yes, they played well but also the leadership of CP3, like CP3's leadership and the fact that he was able to come into this situation and, you know, help these guys understand what winning is and help them understand what, you know, it takes to, uh, in order to win. That was good. And he kind of like gave them the building blocks on how to be a playoff contending team. But I just think that once they got to the pinnacle of the finals, even CP3, he never even been to that point. So it was kind of like, he almost, I don't want to say got shell shocked, but it was like, it was like, this is like, okay, what do we do now? Sort of thing. It's like, man, it's like, I never been, it's like Plankton. It's like, I never thought I'd get this far. <laughs> it's like, I didn't think I would get this far, but I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do now. So, um, but Hey, kudos to them for, for having such a hell of a, a playoff run and a hell of a season, um, a season that nobody expected them to have. So um, how they build off of this, is using the pain and using the the hurt of, of losing and using it as more motivation. I, I know that Devin Booker has that tat on his arm uh, and he uses that as motivation every day, but he's going to have some more motivation to add on to his shoulders. So I think that when you look at DeAndre Ayton and you look at the type of playoffs that he had, I don't want to say he was, he, he, he kind of got a little quiet uh, in, in the, in the finals a little bit, but I think that was just down to the fact that, um, you know, like I said, you know, it was a little bit, it was maybe a little bit too much, you know, at that point in time, but I want to see what they look like at the start of next season. And I want to see what they look like um, as a team and, and, and whether or not, depending on obviously what Chris Paul wants to do, what they look like without Chris Paul, if they, they don't have him, that'll be an interesting storyline because, you know, he was considered the guy that helped them get to this point. Can they be able to bounce back off of that and use what he helped them uh and learn off of him so that they can be a a playoff contending team again. So I'm intrigued by the Suns and what they got with their young situation and the young core. Maybe they think about maybe flipping, you know, a couple of young cats for uh, a proven star to pair alongside both Booker and Aiden again, because we saw how that helped them out this season. So, but it'll be a true interesting test to see what they look like going into next year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, entering the off season, I think, the Suns' biggest thing is CP3. Are they going to find a replacement for him, or is he going to return? Because he is 36 years old, turning 37 next year. He has a $44.2 million player option. He can opt out and re-sign with the Suns for a max of two years because of the over 38 rule. But he proved this season that he could still help a team contend and be a big contributor as well at his age. So... If I'm Phoenix, honestly, I try to re-sign him maybe to a two-year, throw him 60 to $70 million deal, 30 to $35 million a year. And, you know, even if you're not contending, you kind of – well, obviously, they'll be contenders. But even if you're not making the NBA Finals again, you're continuing to develop Devin Booker and DeAndre Ian because you saw what he did for them this playoff run. He – you know, set up DeAndre Ayton perfectly. And then Devin Booker, he took a load of pressure off of Devin Booker. And if he can kind of help develop Devin Booker into a better passer, a better facilitator as well, too, I think you may not need a CP3 
after he's gone or he retires. But I think now the ball's kind of in CP3's court. Does he want to re-sign with the Suns or does he want to take a huge salary cut and join a contending team like the Lakers, as has been speculated a lot? But Because he's made over $300 million in his NBA <laughs> careers just off of contracts alone, but he still doesn't have that NBA championship. So if yeah, he decides think- to walk, what do you think the Suns will do to replace him? If he decides to leave, then I think they kind of have to look at, obviously, free agency. And they're probably going to be trying to look at for somebody. And to be honest, it's not the end of the world if he does walk, if you're Phoenix. Because I'll say this, while CP3 was the 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 main one of the main reasons as to why they got to the NBA Finals and why they had so much success this season, he did kind of put their season in a bit of jeopardy at some points when he was out injured because there were some times where he would be injured with the shoulder, the leg, ankle, you know, like, and those are some of the things you kind of have to worry about. When but you I will, I will definitely say, I will definitely say that the past two seasons he has been healthy. Yeah, the oh, shoulder yeah. thing, but I feel like the shoulder wasn't even a problem for him the entire NBA finals. And I didn't really see him grabbing his shoulder at all or anything like that. So it could have been. No, no, no. I'm not saying that he was like playing injured or anything like that. I'm just saying that throughout a season, 37 38 i mean he was healthy this entire season and i think it i think it's a big credit to his dietary changes because i don't know if you know but he turned vegan this this, i think i don't know if it was last year or this year but i mean he looked healthy even you you've seen guys like dwight howard turn to plant-based diets and becoming vegan and you know dwight howard has struggled (laughs) in his career after leaving the magic with injuries and he's been healthy and he's been helping teams out as well too so I think that if, if CP3 decides to walk, it's not the biggest, um, like, this. it'll be disappointing, obviously, if you're a Suns fan, because you we hoping to try to see if you can run it back with them and get through that gauntlet that is the Western Conference one more time. But um, there are guys out there that you can get that can have the same level of impact on the, in the, in, uh, on the court as Chris Paul. Maybe not the same level of impact in the locker room, but I think he can provide you with the same level of numbers, same level of impact. And so I, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not necessarily Chris Paul or bus for them. And they shouldn't be thinking that because that's how you get into a, a situation where you start just chucking money at a guy and, make, and giving them a really bad contract. So uh, I think they kind of have to, you know, negotiate, sit down and try to see what he wants, see what he wants. I to think do. it's for sure going to be around 30 to 40 million. A and year. you kind of have to just ask yourself, do you want to commit that? To a guy who is going to be 37, so. 38. So, I, I mean, think so. I don't know. I think so. Saying, given, given what Chris Paul has done at this point of his career, I think you have to. Seeing what I think he did. So. And I even think, if it's I think not. They will. And even if it doesn't turn into a championship win, you got to look at the, the long, the big picture. You got to be in it for the long haul. And you got to give that money to him and help develop Booker and Aiden. But. The Suns don't get him back. I think they do need to go after same kind of fill his role in a way he can facilitate and play defense. I think those are the two biggest things that helped uh, the Suns out from Chris Paul. Obviously, scoring is another bonus, but maybe if Mike Conley decides to leave the Utah Jazz, I mean, you got Kyle Lowry, or if you want to go the younger way and go, you know, Alonzo Ball, Dennis Schroeder, get one of those guys who's a non-all-star point guard. And at the same time, they have a little bit more money to solidify their bench and try to win a title again. Cause I know Cameron Payne is an impending free agent as well too for the, uh, for them. So that's also a big loss. Cause seeing what campaign has done to save 
you know, the Sun season this playoff run as well, too. Yeah. Um, like I said, like it's not it shouldn't be Chris Paul or Bus this offseason, but I think I, that I, the I Suns, think I think I think that the Suns will do everything they possibly can to keep him in Phoenix and be and try to negotiate a reasonable deal that they'll feel comfortable with so that he can come back and that, like you said, the development of Aiden, the development of Booker can continue. So that way that they're still constantly being in a waiting situation and challenging and competing for a title every single year that puts a mindset in you that, yo, this ain't good enough. You know, we got to be perfect damn near every single time in practice. We got to be, you know, doing what we got to do in the offseason. We got to be focused trying to win a title here. So I think that, like you said, they they definitely needed that uh that 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 person in there in cp3 to help them but if he walks away if he decides to leave you know there is no type of reason why they can't you know go out and get a guy that can do some of the similar things that chris paul can do but he just won't be that same sort of guy in the locker room that's the only thing right I, I believe CP3 and the Suns come to terms on a new contract, and I think CP3 will run it back with them for two years because uh, I think he doesn't want to go the route of, you know, joining a team, making a super team because, you know, that that way it always hangs over players' heads like Kevin Durant's still hearing it to this day about going to the Golden State I don't State think he Warriors. cares at this point. I think he just wants to win. So, I think I honestly, I think, he, I think he – if he gets the right deal, he runs it back. If he decides that – if LeBron wants him to come to the Lakers, I think that he will decide to leave. I think that's really the only team that I think has a leg up on uh, on any other team outside of Phoenix is the Lakers, just because of the fact that that's his boy. That's his, you know, one of his homies. And also they did mention, you know, uh, LeBron mentioned that he would have loved to have the opportunity to play with all his homies at some point or another. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to play with Melo, but you know, Hey, Another guy in the banana boat crew that could help him win another championship. And he gets his first. That'll be that'll be something else. Even though he didn't even dap him up after I know after he lost to him. You know, it's crazy. I know, I know. But outside, okay. I know we talked about CB3 and that point guard position, but outside of that, do you see any off-season roster adjustments that they need because I think honestly this roster is already constructed for a championship contender I mean you have a hall of fame point guard a walking bucket top tier big man and then multiple wing defenders and scores off the bench as well too so I think the only place in my opinion that the Suns are lacking is a backup big man because we saw multiple times once DeAndre and got rest and went to the bench it seemed like the paint was wide open to be scored in and rebounding was hard to come by so I think you know the Suns need to get a solid veteran big man to come off the bench and you know protect the rim and rebound even if you can't stretch the floor as much but you know a guy like Nerlens Noel, Willie Cauley-Stein, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, Dwayne Dedman, guys who have started in this league and have been somewhat successful and that have also come off the bench and had success as well too. So and I and obviously all those guys I just mentioned, they're not going to ask for a lot of money either. So I think those are definitely guys cuz I think Dario Saric is great, Frank Kaminsky, you know, he he hasn't really panned out <laughs> in the league, but those are guys who you can't really hang your hat on to kind of fill the void of DeAndre and just when he goes to the bench or, I mean, knock on wood, this doesn't happen, but God forbid he goes down with a, with an injury. So you need that backup plan at big man. And we saw how big, maybe not in the NBA finals, but 
throughout the entire Western Conference run of theirs how big DeAndre Ayton was and how how much how much Chris Paul basically loves a big man and how that pick and roll and how they can basically perfect it. Yeah, and then even look on the opposite end with the with Milwaukee and how they had the options of having a Bobby Portis when maybe the slowness and the and and the the not great at being a defensive player and Brooke Lopez didn't work out. That's what I'm saying. You ain't got to sugarcoat it. You ain't got to sugarcoat. He was awful. No, he was one of the worst pick and roll defenders I've ever seen. (laughs) That way was so bad. They had to make that adjust. They they got him out of there. They put Bobby Portis in. So, I mean, like, that's what you have to have. If you want to be a championship team, you have to have different looks because if you only have a plan, a don't have a plan B, maybe even a plan C, then you're, you're kind of just like, yo, I don't know. I mean, this is our plan A. This is all we got. So, um, like you said, if they got somebody like that uh, off the bench to help them out, the drop-off rate, if you can minimize that, because you're only as strong as your weakest link. So you're going to only be as strong as what you got on the bench. If you ain't got nobody on the bench, you can be like, hey, let me get my man Aiden the blow before that fourth quarter rolls around so that way he's fully ready to go. Ding dang, like he's got to play, you know, 30, 40 minutes of the game. That's just like, yo, that's a lot to rest your hat on a young player in this league. So, which they had to do. And you kind of saw the outcome of and doing that toward the end were of the series. Tired yeah. in game six, bro. They had nothing left in the tank. So, I think that the, like you said, they're going to have to obviously address the Chris Paul situation and see what they can do as far as their entire point guard situation, depending on what Cam- uh, Cameron Payne wants to do as well. And then also try to see if they can get that big man. And if they can get like either a stretch big or uh, a rim protecting big, you know, somebody who can just provide good solid minutes, then they become right back in that conversation yet again to try to get their hat in the ring that is the Western Conference. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode, this NBA Finals episode of the Nosebleeds. Congratulations, Milwaukee Bucks and Milwaukee fans, of course, as always. Make sure y'all are following us on social media at the underscore Nosebleeds on Twitter. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds on Instagram, the Nosebleeds. And on Facebook, look up the Nosebleeds podcast. Apple podcast, I almost said music. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, <laughs> we're all there. If you're on Apple Podcasts, shoot us that five-star rating. If you like what you heard, uh, review if you're feeling generous, as always. Corey, any last words? Man, dude, NBA season over, and a few days from now, NBA draft. <laughs> NBA draft, baby. That, that's, NBA one of draft. The, that's one of the perks of having the NBA season go so long and them trying to go back to you know normality is you know a shortened off season so we're not going to be too long without the nba season so that's a good thing for us and then also we got nfl season coming up training camp starting preseason starting next month so it's a it's a fun time right now to be a sports fan but other than that we'll catch y'all next time deuces